0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of Community Bible Church, serving the Rogue Valley from Central Point, Oregon. We are a multi-generational family, Family. equipping believers to be adopted in, growing up, and reaching out through the gospel. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we will spend some time in God's Word. It is, as you know, if you watch the news at all, election season. Oh joy. (laughs) I'm sorry to draw your attention to that. But what we will hear over the next year plus is candidates touring the country, highlighting what they call their platform, right? They promise to focus on issues that are important to them. Uh, They promise people that they will lead their constituency in a particular way, and they do so in order to solicit votes. Well, I have some promises for you this morning. I have a platform. You might be thinking, well, you've already got the votes. It's a little late. Why haven't we heard these things before? I think you have heard them before. But we work differently in the church, don't we? We believe that God calls a man. We believe that the elders, uh, the church and the people and the elders recognize that and affirm that. You've done that over the last weeks and months. I'm grateful for that. Um, thank you. It's humbling. It's, it's a joyful moment. Um, but it's also not up to any one person to say what it is that um, is their original platform. For that, we go back to Scripture. God has told us what the platform is. God has told us what the work of the pastor is. God has told us the ideas that are best. And uh, so uh, we're going to look at that this morning. That passage that Ed read earlier, uh, just before, is it's sort of a concise summary of what the ideas are that make up a pastor's job description. And often what happens is uh, the passage gets preached to a guy who is ordained or installed as pastor, and he sits there and listens. Um, I guess you couldn't find anyone to preach at me this morning, so I'm going to preach at myself if that's okay with you. I'm going to offer you some promises from this passage. I'm going to ask you to participate in those things. Um, What it is, is this is a veteran pastor, a veteran minister, Paul, speaking to a younger guy, Timothy, about the things, this charge and this challenge that comes from God. And basically, this is what he's saying. The job of the pastor is given by God for the needs of the church. Um, And so we're going to talk about those things Together, but l- let's look at the context first a little bit because I think the context gives us these two crucial audiences that Paul wants Timothy to consider as he pastors his church there at Ephesus. The first audience that Paul reminds Timothy about is the heavenly audience, right? We see that right in the first uh, moments of the passage. He charges the young pastor in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. We talked about this last week, if you were here, that. The church, every church, is God's church. He causes the growth. And it has been bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus. The bridegroom is preparing his bride for the wedding feast on that great and glorious last day. And in this case, Paul points Timothy to the ultimate authority of God the Father. He is the judge of the living and the dead. And he also points Timothy to this fact that time is short. And we don't always think in those terms because we think the world just keeps going and and there's lots of time and there's many days. But Paul says to Timothy, even in that moment, that time is short. He says that, that the sun is coming, the last day is coming. We will soon experience his appearing and his kingdom. It is a solemn thing to stand before you and to serve this church as a small-s shepherd, knowing that I do so in the pattern of the chief shepherd. And by God's grace and with the Spirit's help, I will do so. And I, I hope that at the end of that time, at the end of my life, I will hear the words, well done. But I do so under the authority of God. Understand that. What's it like to to be the lead of the church? I don't know, you're gonna have to ask Jesus. (laughs) What's it like to take advantage of the time? Well, let's do that together. Because I believe time is short. Whether Whether it's long or short, it's short. We look forward to the coming of the king at the end of all days. So there's the heavenly audience. Paul also points, right in the middle of the passage, verses 3 and 4, you can look at it, to this second audience. Uh, it's uh, these people who are, over time, increasingly unhealthy. Paul describes them in a number of ways, but they're all in contrast to the sound teaching that he is hoping that Timothy will deliver. Sound teaching, another word for that is healthy teaching. Um, Uh, He says that these people are are willing to endure unhealthy teaching, unsound teaching. In fact, they have itching ears with which they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. It's quite an indictment. Paul warns Timothy, um, it's not that they cannot endure sound teaching, it's that they will not endure sound teaching because they they have these itching ears, this incredibly vivid description Paul uses here. Now, camping season is upon us, so imagine you go out and you get a mosquito bite or many mosquito bites, or you run through the poison oak and the rash comes upon you, and you know how it is, you know you shouldn't, but you scratch and you itch or you use any home remedy or any old wives tale just to alleviate the irritation. Here's the analogy, right? The people are scratching and they're itching as they, look what it says, they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. The more the better, teacher-wise. And it's in order that they could validate their own thoughts. See, they had ideas about what it was to be a believer. And they wanted, to, they wanted those things to be legitimate, so they just looked for teacher after teacher after teacher after teacher until someone told them what they thought was legitimate. They kept accumulating them and accumulating them. Teachers to suit their own passions. Now, that was then, and this is now. And it is even easier to find, I think, in this day and age, people who call themselves Bible teachers that are willing to confirm any thought, any idea, any inclination that anyone has. And the more experts a person gathers, the more easily they can justify just ignoring the healthy teaching from God's Word. You see, this is true. Unhealthy people would rather take a shortcut to justifying and temporarily alleviating symptoms of illness than to deal with the source of sickness. Let's not be that way. Let's not be that way. And what's the result, by the way? Verse four, they turn away from listening to the truth and they wander off into myths. Now, now, to some degree, this does not describe Community Bible Church. We are a healthy church by God's grace. I'm so grateful for that. But on the other hand, all of us lack health at a certain level. All of us have inclinations based on our old man that get us into trouble at one level or another. Though we are being renewed and transformed by the Spirit of God, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we we still bear the flesh. That will never be fully resolved until we're in eternity with Him. We love our pet sins, don't we? We love them. Um, We're inclined to justify them so that we can keep enjoying them. I I heard a Christian therapist just in the last couple of weeks, saw him make this statement that, you know, pornography really isn't so bad because it's a victimless crime, a victimless sin. Christian therapist. Just go ahead. It's better than other stuff you could do. Um, Yeah, except for the women it objectifies, the marriages it destroys, the um, rot that it brings to a person's soul, right? It's a teacher rationalizing the thoughts of men and women. And so for us, because we still maintain a lack of health from our flesh, we gossip in the name of prayer concern. We hold grudges that we call righteous anger. We justify sexual behavior that is aberrant with a distorted conception of love. And we generally excuse our lack of health on some disease or some disorder rather than sin. And the result is an anemic impotent Christianity, and we wonder why God's promises aren't being fulfilled in our lives. We, we've got to recognize that, that when disease, when spiritual disease comes into our life, the only antidote is truth. The only antidote is teaching. The only antidote is God's word infiltrating our soul by the Spirit, changing and, uh, and transforming us from the inside out. Look, look, I want to be healthy as the next guy, um, but I really love unhealthy things. I love, I love Taco Bell. <laughs> now I know what's going to happen. Many of you are going to come up to me afterwards, while we're eating hot dogs and hamburgers by the way, and tell me how bad Taco Bell for is for me. Now I know that to be true don't worry, I know it's bad for me. But that doesn't make me want it any less. (laughs) And some of us are the same way. We've got to learn to hate what is unhealthy in us, the sin that resides in us. And so we need the church to call us to the standard of God's words and call us to say no to what we think And yes to God's thoughts. And God uses his man in the church to lead in this process. So let me just get to these seven priorities. This passage is really easy to understand. There are nine imperative verbs. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. So it's really easy to understand exactly what Paul is doing. We're going to break them down into seven promises from your pastor. Second Timothy is one of the last letters that Paul is going to write. He's in prison, he's facing execution, time is short, Things are urgent, and the most important things are on his mind. And so at the end of this letter, in this passage, he makes these, I think, seven short statements, and they're like rapid-fire advice and encouragement. It's like that talk that you give to your son or daughter as they're walking out the door to the first date or the test or the job interview, right? Take your time, You know, uh, be yourself, you're going to do great. You're just sort of throwing advice at them, hoping that it will stick. That's what this is. With these statements, Paul charges Timothy to fulfill his ministry calling, this veteran pastor to this young pastor. So here are my seven promises to you. It's going to go pretty quick. The first three promises come from verse 2, and the first is this, to make preaching a priority. Preach the word, Paul tells Timothy. And the word Paul uses for that phrase, preach, mobilizes Timothy as a herald of God's Word. He is a proclaimer of the most important truth to those entrusted to his care. And notice the subject matter, by the way. He's not preaching a message of inspiration or advice or philosophy or entertainment is preaching the truth of God's Word. This God who is majestic and transcendent and dwells in inapproachable light, the Bible tells us. God has chosen to make himself known through scriptures, through the written Word of God for us. And Paul tells Timothy, expound on that, proclaim that, declare that. It has been a great privilege for me to get some education that allows me a certain level of expertise in doing just that. And I promise to bring that expertise to my preparation and my delivery each week so that I can feed you the bread of life. The knowledge of God Most High. And I'm going to work hard. I'm going to interpret I'm going to apply the scriptures so that you can have confidence in who God is and what God is saying to you each week. This is what Jesus' disciples said to him after a particularly uh, tense moment in Jesus' preaching. They said, Jesus said to them, Are, are you going to leave? And, and they said to him, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm not promising that I'm going to set the table for a gourmet decadent meal every day, but I will promise you that I'm going to do my best to offer you a piece of bread because I know that you and I are starving to know God. Amen. My goal is to preach in such a way that those who are listening will learn to be better students of the Bible. I want you to say, well, I can do what he did. I can open my eyes and see what God said to me. That's my goal. I don't want you to feel like I'm making things up out of thin air. I want people to point to their Bibles and see I see exactly where that statement came from. I want the things that I say to be intelligent and accessible. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to shy away from big and important and sometimes complicated things, but I want to say those things in a way that that makes them understandable and accessible. you think that you're just going to get statements from me this morning. But with each of these truths, I want to ask you if you will join me. And so with each of the promises that I give this morning, I'm going to ask for you to do something in response. You didn't know there was homework involved, did you? Well, too bad. If I'm going to preach the word, I'm going to ask you to promise to love God's word and to come to worship as an eager seeker after God. If you are convinced of God's truth, I want you to intend to do exactly what the Bible says. Nothing more, nothing less. I want you to commit yourself to regular attendance at corporate worship. And I'm not asking this for me. This is is amazing, by the way. One service Sunday is the greatest thing. Because you sit in the front row and you hear this wall of, of worship coming at you. And you go, isn't it great to be with God's people? Um, but that, it's not for me. It's not for me as I stand up here. It's way better to preach to a full room than an empty room. But I'm not asking you to do this for my sake. I'm asking this to, you to do this for your sake. You, you and I need to hear from God. And the preaching of God's word in the local church is a foundational way that he has ordained to speak to his people. So I hope you'll commit to that. Here's my second promise to you. This morning, I will strive to live an exemplary life. Paul tells Timothy to be ready in season and out of season. Now he's talking about being ready to preach. Literally, the words that he says are this, stand by whether it's convenient or whether it's inconvenient. That's sort of a good translation of that statement. He he knew that the people might not be ready to hear the word. He knew that circumstances might not be right to deliver the word. But whether or not be ready, Paul tells Timothy, but more than just readiness to deliver a message, he said you must be ready You must live your life in constant preparation. I think that is behind this idea. See, Paul Paul has already set the example for Timothy. He's told, uh, Timothy and others, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. If preaching and pastoral ministry were all about just transmitting information, then we should all just subscribe to the podcast of the most popular biblical um, dynamic preacher available. But we could still meet together. We just show it on the screen, let him go. We, we, we sing songs together, we worship together, and show on the screen so that we can get the information from God's word. But that's not the biblical model. The bi- biblical model is that a man will personally, intimately shepherd the sheep. The message that is delivered from this pulpit must always be validated by the life of the man delivering the message. You'll you'll remember that in John 10, Jesus declared himself to be the good shepherd. He says he knows his own and that that his own know him. And I already referenced it, but pastors and elders are called to be shepherds according to Jesus' pattern. So, um, in order to shepherd you, I need to live a life that validates my preaching and my message and my ministry. That's why the selection of elders by our church family is so crucial. The qualifying factors for these men are character qualities. They are to lead you from a place of integrity with lives that validate their leadership. And you could be a part of that promise, and I'm going to ask you to, will you pray for me? It is certain that Satan will want to see me and our other leaders fail. He does. Because if if Satan can tempt a leader to betray the message he preaches, with a life that lacks character, people start to wonder, is the message really valid? And you don't have to look very far to see this pattern, right? There are churches, there is a, a litter of destruction of churches across America right now that prove this point. I'm going to say to you right now I would rather die a premature death than to cause one of these little ones to stumble who believe in him. Because Jesus warned that those who do so, that for them it would be better that a millstone were hung around their neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. And I know that some of your histories include this. It includes church hurt by the institution or by a man who claimed to represent God. And for that, I am sorry. We are sorry. I hope that CBC will be a place of healing and health and that I can do well to represent his voice in your life. Here's the third promise. just goes right along with the text, by the way. If you follow along, I hope you'll see this. My third promise is to speak and minister with a relevant voice. Okay, By this, I do not mean that I am going to try to be relevant to the culture. Uh, my kids continually remind me that I am old and that I am not relevant. Uh, so I'm not even going to try because I think people who try sometimes look ridiculous. This is exactly what the unhealthy people in this passage were chasing after. Relevance. Cultural relevance. Relevance. Instead, Paul instructs Timothy, still there in verse 2, he says, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Three commands, right together. I think they go together. These imperative verbs right in a row. Paul's telling Timothy this, that he needs to match the text of Scripture with his delivery, with his voice, for the need of the congregation. Sometimes and you know this if you read your Bible much, Scripture is direct and it is forceful. It calls out our wrong thinking and our wrong behavior. But at other times, Scripture is encouraging and gentle and hopeful. And it helps us to find uh, what we need in terms of the courage and the strength to follow God and the path that he has laid out for us. Uh, The pastor has to use a variety of voices to, to help the Bible accomplish its purposes. So there will be times of reproof. I hope that I can surgically expose unbiblical thinking. There will be times of rebuke. I hope that I have the courage and the boldness to directly and forcefully identify wrong behavior. And there will be moments of exhortation where I can come alongside you who need strengthening and encouragement. And and all of this, Paul reminds Timothy that a pastor has to do with patience and teaching because teaching is often his primary shepherding tool. But again, I I need your help in this, if you will. Most people don't allow that kind of access in their lives. They put up a, a wall and they refuse to be genuine. I'll let you in a little bit, but only so far. You can't ever truly know me. But that's the benefit of being family and staying together for long periods of time, isn't it? We get to know one another whether we want to or not. Um, We want to minister to one another. I want to minister to you in good times and in bad times. I want to minister to you out of a history, a shared history that we have together, the joys and the challenges of life that we've experienced along the way. And that includes giving me the privilege of saying hard things when hard things are necessary to say, without you running away. Sometimes I'm going to have to reprove you or rebuke you, and most people's response in that case is to find the first avenue of escape, because that's uncomfortable. And there's another church right down the street, and another one after that. It is uncomfortable, And it takes strong relationship that we've got to maintain together. But if we can all be genuine with each other and come ready to hear and receive what God has for us, that can be a really beautiful thing. Okay, promise number four. We're skipping down to verse five. Here it is. I will live soberly. That's not to say that I have a drinking problem and I need a 12-step program. What Paul is saying is that the young pastor has to give attention to the things that influence him. Um, see, see his words there in verse 5. Always be sober-minded. They're the same words that Paul uses when he talks about character qualifications for the office of elder. In a letter to the Ephesians and the Colossians, Paul warns the people, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, the controlling influence for the believer is the Spirit of God. And Paul calls Timothy to be an example of that standard. And so here's my challenge to you. Will you do the same thing? Because it's not just for the pastor, it's for every believer. Will, will you seek the Holy Spirit to help you understand how to live an exemplary Christian life? Boy, that would, that would be great. Great. Will you go beyond that? Will you look for leaders who exemplify that same standard to walk beside our leadership team? Will you go one further? Some of you should commit to cultivating that kind of character in your own life that qualifies you to serve as a leader of CBC. We need more leaders. We need leaders for the next generation but they must be people who can live and think soberly, to be controlled by the Spirit of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to empower our church, empower our worship, give us the gifts that will benefit and build up one another and organize the church as he designs it. Now we come to promise five, and I'll be honest with you, this one's intimidating. It seems that the Holy Spirit has appointed suffering to be a foundation for pastoral ministry. So for you and for Jesus, I promise to endure suffering. That's what Paul says to Timothy. And the word that he uses here is, is, uh, tells the young pastor that what he needs to do is that he needs to bear up under hardship patiently. So when difficult times, he lives through them in a patient way. Now remember, Paul is in prison writing this letter, so he's already provided the personal example for Timothy. And as we contemplate the lives that we live in view of the coming kingdom, we should not be surprised by this for any of us because that is exactly uh, the promise of Jesus. The people of Jesus, they didn't respond to him, they hated him, they crucified him, obviously. And and he makes it clear that we should expect the exact same thing. Doesn't mean we should seek it out, hardship or persecution. Doesn't mean we have to identify it when it's not really there. But we should definitely not be surprised when it comes. And and once again, I think Paul speaking to Timothy, your pastor is called to live an exemplary, exemplary life in this area. For others to follow. Can can I ask for your help though? And I say this in seriousness. Can can you not bring unnecessary suffering into my life? (laughs) You know who you are, some of you. (laughs) Now you laugh, but this is what the writer of the Hebrews says, right? We studied Hebrews a couple of years ago. He instructs the people, obey your leaders and submit to them. He explains that leaders are responsible to keep watch over your souls because they're going to give an account and allow them to do that with joy and not with groaning because that would be no advantage to you. It's to your advantage if we are able to, to operate out of joy in this context. Now I'm under no illusions When a person speaks the truth of Jesus boldly, there are enough people that are immature, there are enough people that are deceived by the world's thinking that suffering and hardship will inevitably come. But I'm hoping that when I come into the sanctuary of the church that is CBC, I will not have to worry about attacks from the inside as well. And I trust you to do that. Next I promise to lead the way in reaching out. Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. It doesn't seem like uh, Timothy has uh, the gift or a special gifting in evangelism, but one thing you don't hear Timothy saying is, yeah, that's not really my spiritual gift. It's not the way he goes. Paul's wording indicates that Timothy is going to have to do something that is in some way foreign to him. He's not an evangelist, but he's to do the work of an evangelist. And sometimes we get too caught up in in wondering what, what is our gifting? What isn't our gifting? And we forget just to obey the simple commands of Jesus. And we've been emphasizing that here at CBC for several years, right? That idea of reaching out has been one of our priorities. We believe that every person has a God-given circle, those 8 to 15 people that sit on the front row of your life and watch how you live out your faith in Christ in real life. We have challenged you to get a circle card. If you don't have a circle card, there's one on the walls and at the welcome desk. Get one, fill it out, use it as a prayer reminder and look for those divine opportunity God brings into your life to share with those people the saving love of Jesus to share with them that as human beings we're separated from God but that he loved us so much he sent his son to live a life we could not die in our place, rise again and if we have faith and trust in him he will bring forgiveness and new life that's our encouragement to you and then to invite your circle to church so that they can experience God's family and reinforce the message that you've already been sharing with them. Can I just be really honest with you? That's hard for me. I count myself with Timothy. I, am, I don't think I'm an evangelist. I don't think I have God's special gifting in that. I don't have some of the same natural interactions with unsaved people that you do. My family knows Jesus. I come to a place where, in the building, I rarely interact with unsaved people. I have great neighbors. I'm trying to get to know them. But the minute they hear you're a pastor, man, the wall goes up. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to swear in front of you. Trust me, I've heard worse in my office, right? Right? All the time. It <laughs> doesn't mean I don't have to be faithful to this command of Scripture. I, it, still, it still is on me. And I'm working hard to, to cultivate a circle card and to maintain prayerful interaction with them. I'm so encouraged that in recent days God has given me a couple of things as I've been praying for that, a couple of relationships that I'm pursuing um, for, for His glory. And many of you have been a great encouragement to me in this because you tell me about your stories of circle interaction. And I'm going to ask you this. Will you continue to do that? Because one of the categories on the circle card is that idea of partner. You need partners with you that will pray for you, that will encourage you, that will challenge you, that will ask for, 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 uh, for feedback and for a follow-up. It would be my privilege to partner with you as you reach out to your circle, and then to rejoice with you when God inevitably does what He says He's going to do and miraculously saves the people that you've been sharing with. And also, guess what? When you tell me your stories, it's a reminder to me that I need to have my own stories. And I need to be faithful with that responsibility as well. Okay, last priority that Paul highlights from this passage is his command to Timothy to fulfill your ministry. That's what he says. And for Paul and for Timothy, this is really a a summary command of the rest of what he's already said, these other six priorities. And so this is my last promise, but it's also a summary of the other promises to you this morning. I promise that I will serve this church. That word ministry, fulfill your ministry in the original language, it's a word for service. The word diacona, from which we get our office of deacon. The, the servants of our church. And Paul is calling the young pastor my call as your pastor is to serve this church regularly. Mostly in my gifting, preaching and discipleship and leader, leadership. But I, but I want to get my hands dirty with you as well. I want to I don't wanna I don't wanna ask you to do something that I would never do. so here's my here's how you can join me in that. Will you will you serve the church as well? Will you find a way that the Holy Spirit has gifted you to build up the body of Christ in service to the Lord and use it in a ministry in this church? You know what? When everyone does that, it frees, it frees us up to operate and for, for people to accomplish the ministry that God has called them to according to their unique spiritual gifting. There's, there's a rule. You've probably heard it. If you've been around church for any length of time, it's that 20% of people do 80% of the work. I don't know that that's necessarily true here, but let me, let me ask you this, let's do this. If that's the universal rule, let's defy convention at CBC. Can we do that? Let's have 100% of the people do 100% of the work. I don't know if the math works out on that. You have to ask someone who's math minded. Let's look for opportunities to share the load. Again, not because it's going to make the church a more efficient place. That's not why I'm asking you to do this. It's not for the benefit of Community Bible Church, although Community Bible Church will benefit, but because it's God's design for your spiritual growth as well. These are my promises to you. They reflect, I believe, God's design for the church, and I hope that you'll consider as well your part in God's work as CBC. Um, I think that if one or the other of us, me as your pastor, you as the family of God at CBC, if, if one of us is not upholding our duty before God, there's a, there's a chance that God will say, okay, they're not ready. I'll, I'll, I'll work in a different place. Now, God can do what God can do, and He may work despite us. I, I, I'm confident of that. But let me say this. If you and I are faithful to our call, we will get to see Him work, and we will have the great privilege at some level of being the ones that He works through. I, I mean... That couldn't be more exciting, could it? That God would use you or God would use me to accomplish his purposes and we just get to be along for the ride? I don't know, I'm excited about that. And I want to see God accomplish his purposes for his glory at CBC. So let's you and I watch him grow and bless CBC as we fashion ourselves according to his design together. Can we do that? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you that we don't have to make this stuff up on our own. We thank you that we don't need a significant amount of instruction as to how the church operates and who the pastor is and who the ones who are uh, ministering and doing certain things are because you've designed all that according to uh, to your perfect sovereign will. God, I pray that we would be about the work of recognizing that, agreeing with that, and committing ourselves to join you where you are already working, I believe. Thank you for Community Bible Church. Thank you for the time in history we find ourselves where we have already seen you do great things. God, may we see you do many, many more great things and rejoice that we get to be a part of them. Thank you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Follow us on Facebook to keep up to date with all our latest content. Thank you!